0: Alex Cuno is a full-time artist and illustrator, living and working in lower town St. Paul, Minnesota. His work has been exhibited in galleries around the United States and Italy, including Rome and Milan. Alex's work has also been profiled in High Fructose Magazine, Vice, Juxtapose, and Minnesota Original. He also maintains a growing list of commission clients and private collectors around the world. Recently, Alex graciously agreed to talk with me about his work. If you're not familiar with Alex's work, I recommend looking him up on Etsy at Alex Kuno Artwork, that's Alex, K-U-N-O, or on Instagram at Alex Kuno before listening. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Welcome to The Root Cellar. So I know there's there's periods of your work. There's the miscreants of Tiny Town. Yeah. There's a period I've I've seen referred to as awful. Uh huh. Which is the exploding bodies. Right. Would you say that you're in a new period
1: now? That has been. Uh, I am definitely trying to find that out right now. I, I feel like I've been in. A creative block for the past three years and spent just constant experimenting with different materials, different ways of working. That miscreants of Tiny Town, that was definitely uh, the fairy tale reference that I did early on. It was like kind of, yeah, it was during the Bush years, and it was about that kind of creeping authoritarianism that was sort of undergirding this war in Iraq. And that's when I used those fairy tale sort of references. And then that awful period with those figures exploding, that was, again, that was my emotional reaction, I think, to a lot of the just blatant police brutality and police killings that were happening just kind of on Twitter or on Facebook, just kind of in between ads and other tweets, just this casual police brutality that was just out there. And that there was just nothing anybody could really do about it. And it seemed like that kind of authoritarianism that was lurking underground in American society was just kind of out in just out in plain view. And so then like those little Victorian era fairy tale kids that I was making, I felt like I couldn't make those anymore. And so I kind of had them <laughs> like just kind of explode. And I focused on that awful period as they weren't like the kids of my older work weren't just exploding, but they were spontaneously mutating. Like they were changing very quickly and that you didn't really know what these forms were, like what the end result is going to be from this spontaneous mutation or the spontaneous evolution. So you just kind of like left to like look at the shapes and kind of like treat them as still lifes or kind of abstract work. And so you know, I carried that on through a lot of the news about Trump, which was just nonstop, obviously. And then I think I was just trying to move through that. And and, and that's kind of what I'm, yeah, I'm kind of trying to find my footing now in where I want to take these stories and where I want to move this world. I think, yeah, because for so many years I had been working in a specific world through that tiny town series you know that world that i was working in it had sort of its own physics its own gravity all the figures were the same size they were very illustrative and i think that like now that things are we are in such a in the middle of so many different crises and that everything feels unmoored and kind of trying to find like a trying to find like a like a ground that I can kind of work from and kind of like develop a new set of, of those physics that I was talking about. I think so that's sort of where I'm at right now.
0: So I want to come back to a couple of things. And one one of them is when I'm thinking about the the explosion and the detail, I'm interested in to me, when I look at work from awful, some of the parts that look very much like body organs some of the parts though look like plants almost like nature or forests or or uh, mm-hmm. seaweed is is spurting out of the bodies as if they're becoming the vegetation as well was that something that was going on for you at the time too some connection to nature there
1: oh yeah yeah i mean uh as we're <laughs> as it seems like the theme here is anxiety <laughs> it's like climate change is uh something that i'm really invested in, and I think a lot about it, and it really takes up a lot of my brain space, I, I think probably, yeah, every single thing that we're seeing right now is a direct result or, you know, one or two degrees of separation away from, you know, how the planet is changing and how we are li- on our way to living on a completely different planet. Tying that back to authoritarianism sort of exploding out of these out of this world that I was working in with those in that awful series. It's like, yeah, some of them look like body parts and some of them look like aquatic. Yeah. Like you said, plants or aquatic creatures. And that I think like the idea behind that was that even though these figures are turning into something new, there's also something deep and undersea and unexplored that's sort of coming out, you know, when, you see a tsunami or a flood or something. And then uh, it kind of unearths these old fossils and old buildings and sunken ships and all that stuff. It's just kind of like washed ashore after a flood or like now what we're seeing in the great salt Lake is that's drying up. And then you see like those old homes and, you know, bodies and stuff like that kind of slowly coming out as the, drought keeps going is that I think like with these exploding figures and that aquatic theme that's sort of like here's like a kind of a Leviathan (laughs) that's kind of among all the other sort of foliage that's spurting out. There's something old and ancient that's being unearthed as they're changing.
0: You grew up as an atheist. Yeah. What role did mythology play for you as a child?
1: I think it was more of an escape. I often... I, I often tell people in interviews that I, I think where a big part of this mysteries of tiny town started from was really from a point of self-deprecation that I was so obsessed with uh, like star Wars and science fiction and things like that, where I knew more about the esoteric bounty hunters in star Wars than I did about my own extended family <laughs> and my own history. And so I wanted to, create a world that was sort of made sarcastically and out of self-deprecation. But I think uh, that, yeah, the mythology aspect growing up, I think it was, yeah, it was absolutely an escape. Like it was a pretty turbulent uh, household and um, a way to escape all of that was to like go into my room and draw and kind of create a world that I sort of had control over, you know, and I could kind of make up my own rules. And so I kind of took those feelings and I brought that to my current work too, where, you know, everything's chaotic and everything's just too big for people to understand. And so a way for me to escape that was to go into a room and draw. And so like, I I kind of wound up doing that, you know, professionally. So I think that, yeah, that atheistic upbringing as as glad that i you know wasn't brought up in like a rigid religious household i do kind of wish that i was a part of like kind of a a more widespread sort of set of traditions i mean we celebrated christmas and all the other holidays and everything but i kind of wish that i had that sort of connection to a broader cultural narrative as damaging as it can be to people at large it's uh i i do see the value in
0: in the awful series, do you see that mythology of the miscreants
1: of Tiny Town is that breaking down? Or yeah, it- I think that, it, okay. yeah, right. It's it's still it's still kind of there. It's in all of my figures, even when I went through a period of like uh, pretty explicit erotic work. I think that that kind of impulse is there. That looking at erotica or sexuality as uh, you know from like a childlike point of view or from a naive point of view that that's always there I think like that spirit is there and I often think sometimes like maybe I'll come back to that tiny town thing one day and yeah yeah I think I think maybe it is just kind of always there like maybe I'm right now kind of like sort of exploring the more spiritual aspects of that world, maybe, or the more metaphysical aspects of it, and that I'll come back to it one day, maybe.
0: There's a real quality of vulnerability or uh, suffering intentional harm in, in some of your images, I think, about Waiting for Wolves.
1: Yeah, that was another element of that sort of awful series that I've been sort of bringing into other anatomical studies, I guess was this idea of self-destruction or self-harm there's kind of like a theme running of like people sort of opening themselves up with this really calm placid look on their face of like we're knowingly exposing ourselves to danger and sort of welcoming whatever comes and that waiting for wolves piece is definitely kind of like that this i tend to have like a lot of female protagonists if you could call them that in my paintings you know you see so often that how authoritarians really uh, you know they kind of use women as a as a testing ground you know for broader attacks and power plays and things like that so those ideas kind of came to me or that waiting for wolves kind of came to me it was you know it was about like I don't want to say it's about because I really as much as I talk about politics it's I don't see my paintings as overtly political, so it's not about that. But it was just inspired by, by you know, listening to news about uh, Roe v. Wade and how that's kind of happening. And you know, whether whether you're conservative or liberal or progressive or whatever, whatever your feelings about abortion are, it is like, you know, it's crazy. It's like here's this fundamental right that is like being taken away. And it's being done against women first. And so that just, you know, I I think that that's sort of the starting ground of where that painting came from. And, and, you know, I I don't just use anatomy to show those kind of breakdowns. I also play around with architecture a lot. That idea of when you're asking about mythology, uh, you know, that shining city on a hill concept has always played a part in my work, too, of this remote It's always been like in my earlier work, that shining city on a hill was always, you know, this bit of architecture kind of off in the distance or off in the horizon that you're never really kind of interacting with your, all the figures and all the action are happening in the foreground. There's always like kind of a city or a temple in the background. And now in my more recent work, I've been playing around with architecture as either being in ruins or they're upside down or these figures are existing inside of a building that is completely unlivable and physically impossible to exist in. And I think that that was playing a real role in some of the newer paintings that I did during this leak about Roe v. Wade, about these institutions that just are not functional and they don't really exist.
0: You mentioned uh, listening to the news and politics instead of music while you work, and so it's it's so interesting how you're transmutating that into work the or the feelings around it. Yeah, in this new period, I'm curious. You mentioned experimenting with a lot of different mediums. Could you tell me more about that?
1: It isn't just experimenting with different mediums, but it's also uh, different techniques. And I think that's kind of where I really have tried to use the mediums to communicate the ideas and the emotions. And so, uh, you know, watercolor has a particular mood compared to oil painting, acrylics, and digital also, you know, you kind of want to use them for the content that you're trying to show in a certain way. And so I'm, so I've been just trying to find a medium that I can stick with and work on for the, for the long term and feel comfortable with. I, I feel like, whenever I make a new series of work for a show or something and I use a particular medium, then when that show is done, then I get suddenly really frustrated and I want to try something else. And so now I am going back to acrylic painting that I kind of started with years ago and I'm kind of repracticing acrylics after using what I had learned and teaching, like kind of reteaching myself, watercolors I, I think like during these past few years yeah it's been like a real um time of experimentation for me just technically and so uh, like say with watercolor it's something that I had taken for granted using for years but then I decided that I really wanted to like really kind of teach myself and kind of push myself technically with watercolors and so I studied like a lot of traditional botanical illustration and and other like scientific illustration. And so I would spend like a year doing just like, just constantly researching and working and sketching and doodling uh, in watercolors. And then I found that that wasn't quite scratching the itch that I wanted to. And then I decided to try oil painting for the first time since college. And that was a couple of years ago. And so I've been working on that. And then I thought, well, what's a way that I can help build my Oil painting skills. Well, I'll try digital. And so then I started to work uh, in painting in Photoshop. And then now that I've done a bunch of work in oil, now I'm finding myself gravitating toward acrylics now. And so that's this new thing that I'm kind of reteaching myself. So I have like a relatively small studio, but I have like a section for my watercolors and a section for my oils and a section for acrylics. And then I have a desk for my digital stuff and I would like to just like figure out a proper way that's comfortable and intuitive for me to work. Like one single medium that I can stick with for, you know, however long I'm going to live and paint, (laughs) but (laughs) I, I uh, I haven't found it yet. So that, that's, that's kind of part of where the creative block is coming in. I'm just constantly looking uh, for a, for a medium that kind of speaks to me personally. So I don't know. We'll see. I don't
0: know. Do you find uh, difficulty balancing or do you make a division between your personal work and your work for,
1: for money? No, not really, because, yeah, I'm, I'm always working when I'm doing a commission or doing a, you know, working toward a show or if I have some other kind of deadline, I use that as a chance to experiment with like mediums and techniques I find myself these days, like just doodling more than I'm actually working on a project of like just testing out like just washes and swatches and little circles and doodles. And so I'm, that seems to be like more (laughs) like my personal work these days is that I would, uh, turn on the news and then I would try like a different way of painting and then I would just zone out for an hour so that's <laughs> so that's been my personal work are just like circles and duels and washes I have just stats of little shapes that I've been working on but those tend to come together when I have like an actual project or a deadline and I have something that I have to do uh, then that's kind of where that energy gets funneled into for a while and then I'll go back to Watching tutorials and making little faces and little things like that on you know on different surfaces, and then the next project will come up, and then I'll kind of dump all my energy into that. <laughs> it's it's oh boy, I, I really just bored myself talking about that.
0: Oh, I'm sorry. It sounds like
1: a <laughs> an interesting
0: cycle. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Is is that how you work? Is it is it cyclical or or do you have a, yourself on a schedule?
1: I find myself just kind of always working I always have to like spend uh, spend most of my evenings like just in the studio whatever it is like even after a show I hear a lot of artists you know a lot of artists kind of complain about a depression that they get into after they work on a big project or the big deadline or a big show or something and afterwards they kind of slip into a depression and I used to do that a lot too earlier on and then I found that a way to alleviate that feeling was to just immediately start working on something else, whatever it is, just to keep your brain going and to give yourself a project to keep working on. And then I think that kind of developed a really weird feedback loop over the years where after a show, I would immediately start doing something else. And then so that kind of developed into just a full-on workaholism (laughs) where now I'm just always working.
0: Were those periods of depression while before you were making your way full time as an artist or or
1: were they even after? Yeah, it was it was before. Yeah, before. I think it was like most of day jobs. And then I think early on when I was doing it full time, too, it was just that feeling. I'm sure you've probably felt that, too, after you worked on something creative and then you sort of unveil it somehow it's like it's complete you're showing it and then it's over and then all of that energy that you've been building up to for so long just is gone and then you don't have anything new planned or anything like that and you're kind of like struggling to find what's your next what your next project is going to be and that's that's kind of where that depression comes from and i I think it's just natural for everybody who does it in in one way or another i think that's natural for anybody who does anything creative
0: I'm curious about this transition to working as a full-time artist. Was that a difficult period for you?
1: I it was an absolute uh, necessity for me. I I was just feeling so lost. I, I had moved back to Minneapolis from living in New York City. I was kind of trying to sort of figure out who I was and kind of figuring out my role in Minneapolis. And so I was like taking like a lot of just, just kind of like grim cubicle tech support type jobs. I felt that they were just taking up all my time and I would have shows periodically here and there, but I was feeling that pull that I had to, that I had to focus on art or I would just go crazy and I kind of and so I sort of spontaneous as soon as I was like starting to make just a little bit of money in the local art scene I quit my job (laughs) and uh with no real business plan or anything like that I just quit so I could make art full time and then as soon as I quit then all the sales just stopped so (laughs) I was just broke without a job
0: What did you do then? uh, What's that? What did you do then?
1: I just kept working and I, I, it it really forced me to, to focus on the business aspects of my work, you know? So I made as large a body of work as possible and took as many like little flyers around for coffee shop shows. And I went to galleries and I pushed and I pushed and, um, lived like an extremely spartan lifestyle for a long time and then uh just eventually as i kept going and kept doing it more doors just sort of opened big doors opened and then big doors closed and it was just this real roller coaster feast or famine sort of life for a number of years but i yeah i just i had to do it
0: how did you feel during that that cycle of feast and famine
1: Oh, I, I felt, uh, hmm. well, <laughs> during the feast times, I felt awesome. And then during the famine times, I felt terrible. I, I think like, I mean, uh, there would be so many times when I would think, uh, you know, I have no idea how I'm going to pay rent next month. I just have no idea. Just no sales are coming in nothing's happening. I have no idea. I, I just have no idea what's going to happen next month. I don't know where I'm going to be. I don't know what's going to happen. Nothing's coming in. And then all of a sudden I would make like a, a $4,000 sale at the very end of the month. And then that, and then I would be fine, you know? And then I, I was talking to another artist recently, who's maybe about 10 years older than I am. And he's been, he's been living a life that I've always kind of admired. Like he's doing just, he's doing just fine but also he suffers from that a lot too where when sales don't go well he just kind of collapses and then he has like these memories you know from him from from him starting out of this this dire emotional straits about what am i going to do what's going to happen and then as soon as the sales come in then he's just fine and happy and <laughs> everything's okay <laughs> I related to what he was saying a lot. And yeah, it was only over the past maybe 6 years that things have been even relatively steady for me. And so but yeah, that that threat and that fear is always there.
0: Do you feel even in the moments of that threat and fear d- do you find yourself thinking about the day
1: job or do you or do you? The only time is like, you know, I I miss having that structure of you know (laughs) i i I miss just handing in a w-2 instead of like spending a week going through all my finances and all my expenses i i do miss the structure of going to a place and then working and then coming home and relaxing or you know I, I, i i miss that daily structure sometimes but even when I have been feeling dire and broke and what's going to happen, I would I, I would also kind of find myself reminding myself that thank God I'm feeling that way, kind of on my own terms, you know. But by you know because it's I'm doing what I need to be doing instead of you know trapped in a gray cubicle. You know, I, I'd much rather live that spartan, stressed out lifestyle than, than, than just kind of being trapped in, in doing meaningless kind of work. That's
0: all. Thanks for answering that. I know that seemed yeah. probably like a personal question, but it, I was <laughs> I'm very curious about it. I hope it wasn't too personal. No, no, no. Something I've noticed from your Instagram feed that I think is really interesting is you often show work that's in the process of development.
1: Yeah. What's that like? That's been really rewarding in... In a lot of ways, I I really enjoy doing that. I think even though I think overall aesthetically it sort of makes my page look really muddy and sort of dumb. But I've I've kind of used Instagram when I got into it. I kind of used it as sort of a like a little sketch diary. I I haven't like done like the whole polished sort of Instagram influencer sort of thing. It's kind of a, a raw sort of this is what I'm working on. This is what I'm struggling with. Here's this thing that I'm making. and I don't know where it's going. And I don't know what I'm doing. Here's me screwing up. Here's me trying something else. And the feedback that I've gotten from especially younger artists, when they've looked at it, they'd be like, oh, thank you for showing that you're struggling with something too, or that you're trying something new. It's just been like a really interesting way to interact with people for me. And also it's kind of, it's been um, even like really great, like just sales wise, there have been times when I would, in those sort of dire stressful times when I would just like post a an in-progress sketch and then it would sell later that day. And that still happens quite often, but that's not why I do it. I, I think I do it as just like, it's a way for me to sort of step outside of my own sketches a little bit and to make them more uh, removed from myself, I guess, if I throw them out there publicly. Here's something that I'm working on. Here's something that I'm trying. And then I'll kind of look at it from a perspective as if I'm just scrolling Instagram and I come across this thing. What would I think about it? It's kind of its own little sort of creative project in its own right, I guess.
0: So it allows you to see the work as as if you're the viewer of your own work.
1: Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. I, I think that's really important for any artist to do. I don't mean the Instagram thing. I mean like removing yourself from your own work a bit and imagining yourself as yeah stumbling across someone else's work in a gallery or in a space what would you think of it if you had never encountered this work before that's kind of what i try to do in my own in my own practice mm-hmm.
0: do you get responses or feedback that changes the direction of the work as you're developing it
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. It's always been like really informative. And that's another really huge part of why I put those sketches out there and that you do get, and it, it, I think it's one of the reasons that even when times have been really stressful financially or career wise, that um, it's been one of the reasons that I keep going and, it, and sort of like finding, uh, it gives me purpose. I sort of see art or music or other forms of art as like I kind of, view it as like I'm making up my own language as I go and when someone sees what I'm making and they kind of like understand my own language and that they're able to like speak speak it back (laughs) in a way by either like adding on to it or like coming up with their own interpretations of what they're seeing and where they think it's going or where they think the narrative is going or what they would change or if they would come up with like either like critique or criticism or if they point out a fault then they're sort of participating in that language and there's like a conversation that's not that's like beyond just typing things out on a keyboard that's uh, really interesting and really rewarding and so i i get the same feeling on instagram that i do like uh twice a year in my neighborhood in lower town st paul we have Uh, an art crawl where we open open all of our studios to the public. Before I went on Instagram, I would get the same sort of charge just publicly when strangers would come into the studio and look around and kind of mill about. And then if they see something that sticks out to them of my paintings, and then they like kind of respond to it and you can sort of discuss it and talk about it. Seeing that look of recognition on people's faces. Like, oh, this feels familiar. I don't know why. I don't know how but this, like, I uh, relate to this in a really particular, specific way. That's just a, um, it's a great feeling.
0: When you participate in uh, gallery shows, do you interact a lot with the other artists?
1: Uh, Absolutely. I'm really kind of a a shut-in and uh, an introvert When I work, and since I work all the time, I'm always home all the time. And it's been difficult to go out to my own shows sometimes because I usually have another deadline or another project. But those periodic shows are always really uh, great as a time for me to sort of force myself to be extroverted, I guess, and to kind of put myself out there. But a lot of the local artists that I talk to and engage with, They're also like kind of art supply technique nerds. (laughs) And so it's been great to have those kinds of art nerdy sort of conversations. I've loved all the artists that I've worked with in different shows. Yeah, they're great. They're all great people. So how do you know when
0: one of your pieces is complete?
1: Uh, I've never really... I I never know that there's like that, you know, what is that cliche? Like, uh, our work is never finished. It's always abandoned or whatever. (laughs) Like I just kind of, I, I I kind of make that comment a lot in Instagram of like saying, well, I've stopped working on this. I've decided to stop working on it. That there have been uh, times when I think like, because I do have such an intuitive impulse about my work that I think, I think it's kind of like one of the failings of my work and something that I'd like to change is that I feel like when the emotion is gone or when I've gotten the image on there enough, then I feel like I've expressed what I needed to express and then I'll move on to something else that I I try to, I, I tend to work way faster than i would like to i would i would like to be able to uh, spend much more time on something and sort of refine it more i think when i kind of snap out of it and i think when i kind of get bored working on it i think that's kind of when i just sort of find myself going okay all right (laughs) you know when i when i finish that gardening period of when you're filling in the shapes and filling in the colors and rounding it out, that's usually when I find myself going, "Okay, I'm done. I'm, I'm, it's it's out of me now. It's, it's it's on a panel. It's on a piece of paper. It's 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 as done as it's going to be. That, that that's kind of how I feel about it. But I like I'd really like to sort of sit with my work more, and I, I'd like the opportunity to you know spend several months on a piece or a year and focus on one thing. That that's been kind of an ongoing fantasy of mine, and maybe one day that'll happen.
0: After you've decided that the work is done, when you go back and revisit the work, you know, look at it later, how do you feel?
1: There have been times when I look back at my older things and I remember how stressed out I was while I was making it. And sometimes that comes across visually. But then other times, there have been times when I look at my older work and feel like it's in some ways a lot more advanced than the stuff that I'm doing now. I can't necessarily put my finger on why. And maybe it was because I was really stressed out that I, while I was making it, that something came through out of it. I'm, I'm not really sure. But oftentimes when I look at my older work, I it, I do get that feeling of like somebody else made that. Somebody else at a different time under different circumstances made that. And then like, I think maybe one of the reasons why, I, why I'm getting back into acrylics is that I look at some of my work from... 20, like 2009, 2008. And I kind of remember that feeling of enjoying the immediacy of working that way. And I like, I kind of liked that artist's work back in 2009. I kind of like that. I kind of like what was done there. And so I might, you know, try to take what the me from 2009 did, if that makes any sense.
0: Yeah. Can you connect with the you from 2009? Can you really put yourself back in your own shoes? Or is
1: it. Yeah. I, um, I prefer not to <laughs> like, I, I think uh, I, I can, but yeah, it was a very, very different. Uh, it was a different person who made that stuff. So one thing that I think working a long time has sort of taught me is that I, I kind of feel like creativity or artwork like that. I have kind of learned that it's sort of like a, like a fingerprint. Everybody has it when, And they have their own particular aesthetic and their own sense of creativity. However that manifests, if it's like just how you dress or how you, where you like to eat, or if you're into architecture or writing or music, it's like you have like a perspective and you have a, you have that, I don't want to say spark. I'm not sure what it is, but you have like a, a creative sense. When you're born and you have like your own individual creative fingerprints that you have, then that doesn't change. It just kind of gets bigger as your finger gets bigger. So I feel like a lot of the work and themes that I've done, you know, like back in 2008, 2009, I still find myself coming back to them. And I'm kind of like shocked. Like when I do see like another person made that stuff, I still look at that old work and think or you know i'm like always kind of surprised like oh that guy is doing the same thing that i'm doing that's weird and that uh there have been so many elements like back in high school you know looking at artwork that i did back in high school or even junior high as a as a kid when i'm doodling as a kid that there's still like little strains of that that i'm doing now i think everybody has that in some capacity they would have to be I i don't know if it's a soul or a personality or what but but I really do believe that. I'd
0: like to thank you for taking some time to talk with me today, Alex.
1: Oh, thank you. Uh, yeah, these are always, uh, uh, I, I always feel like I have to apologize during these interviews because I'm always like just painfully inarticulate. But so oh, thank you. For- I don't feel
0: that way at all. I, I really oh, enjoyed okay. our conversation.
1: I, okay, great. Well, thank you so much.
0: Yeah, it was a real treat for me. I've, I've liked your work for a long time. So it's. Okay, well, yeah, I was very nervous you. to talk to you. And so thank oh. you for being so, <laughs> okay. so open. So.
1: Oh, well, thank you
0: do you feel like you're missing out well i hate to tell you but you are not all of our interviews are put up on spotify or apple podcasts to get the complete picture of all of our interviews please join us at therootseller.substack.com